I heard your call for help. I'm here to answer it. You fought hard on your own. Let me take care of the rest. I know that head! Welcome to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where two dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Hey, I recognize that head. It's Bill. That that sounds accurate. That makes sense. And you sure it's safe to be out here? Like, for real? Is it safe to go outside? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> My name is Andy. Hey, I'm essential. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> There's so many reasons why the outside world just seems kind of scary right now. Yeah. How are you doing, man? Um, I'm doing. It's been the weekend. That's been nice. Weekend is nice. Tomorrow will be less nice. Yep. Back to work. Yep. I am officially done with my teaching for the most part. I just got a couple of little things to wrap up and I'm good. I cleaned up my classroom last week. Nice. Yeah, that was sad. That was weird. I walked in and it was like... It was March still. Frozen in time. For, completely frozen in time. The assignments still written up on the board from March. Homework assignments and things sitting around like to get passed back from like March. <laughs> it was really kind of eerie. Did you guys do any kind of like online graduation or event or anything? We did two things. We did an awards night as my dog is digging into the uh, the, the, the cushion over there, being adorable as hell. Um, oh, God, he, I paid attention to him. He's looking at me now. No, uh, we did an online award ceremony and uh, recognized every senior on the award ceremony. It was really nice. And then we did a, in the community, that we built a par, uh, did a parade route, and then they just rode in cars along the parade route. Uh, my daughter's school did the reverse parade also. It was pretty cool, honestly. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty nifty. We... Unfortunately, I worked late that night, mm -hmm. and so it was going on as I was coming home, because we live very close to the school. Oh, no. I could see it going on, and basically, I jumped out of my truck and went, every in the car, come on. And uh, <laughs> it, it ended by the time we got back to her school, but there was right. still a bunch of teachers standing around talking to each other, mm -hmm. so we didn't get the full experience, but they we slowed down and rolled down the window, and she was wearing her Beetlejuice jacket, so I was like, gee, I wonder if they're going to know who you are. Exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, her teachers, a couple of her teachers saw her and yelled her name, waved at her, so. That's awesome. Um, she got somewhat of the experience, even if not the, the full thing. Nice. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's graduation time in this uncertain, strange world that we live in. Uh, a lot of creative ways that people have been being able to acknowledge, you know, um, the, the end of the school year, even though we weren't at school for like two months. It was weird because she came home from for spring break. Yeah. Brought all of her supplies because they were going to deep clean all the lockers. Right. And just didn't go back. 
Yep, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's that still going on, um, even though a lot of states right now think that it's basically like over. Um, yeah. But we're not going to get we're not going to get too deep into the politics. I just there's a lot a lot of scary things going on when we're uh, releasing this or recording this episode. So another other other events going on in the United States. I'm less likely now to order out um, and pick up than I was. Because when it was just the staff there doing their job, it's one thing. But yeah, now that the patios and the outdoor seating is open and there's tons of customers, and it's like you know what? Nah, I'm good. Maybe I'll maybe I'll cook at home. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cook more at home. That's fine. Exactly. Well, today we're here uh, to talk about episode twenty-one. Uh, I guess it would be episode 20. This is where it gets even extra confusing because we did two episodes last time. So like for us, it's episode twenty. <laughs> Of season five. Yes. But it's episode 21 or season two episode... Uh, nine. Nine? Yep. I, yeah, it's all confusing. Hey, Bill, hit us with an episode title. Uh, the Troubles of the Strongest. Okay. Uh, Saikyo no Nayami. There you go. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do... Uh, let's talk, I guess, a little nerd news. But before. <laughs> but, but, put your butt before the cart. Um. Uh, yes, nerd news. Uh, you got anything this week? Uh, I saw a couple movies. Ooh, it's Bill's movie corner again. Yep. Hit us up. What, what'd you watch? Uh, we saw The Invisible Man, the new mm-hmm. one. It was okay. It was good. It, it had a decent ending. And then we saw Us, because I ac- accidentally reactivated your HBO. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sitting there, and I get a notice, and I don't—I didn't even tell you the other thing, because like I'm pretty sure Cinemax, you started a five, a seven day free trial. Oh, I'm, for Cinemax. Geez, I'm sorry. Um, so I, oh, I I got this thing, and I'm like, it's like it's like your your free trial to Cinemax has begun, and I'm like, okay, did Ray start a Cinemax trial? But I'm like, but no, because when he logs in, even though like, because we we still share. Amazon right okay, now until, okay. it, until it runs out. But like when he makes purchases, it's still on his credit card. Uh-huh. Um, cause it's under his email. Like he has his email and my email are both like attached to the account. I was like, no, it can't be him. I was like, maybe I've been hacked or maybe I was like, maybe it's just an error. And then all of a sudden I get a notification like five minutes later. It's like your HBO subscription has been, has been restarted and you've been charged $14.99. And I'm like, wait a minute. Jeez. Wait a minute. So uh, then I I texted you and I found out it was you. Yeah, she. Uh, Well, it was my wife. She opened it up and then was messing around with it. And I was like, be careful there. I said, I don't know if I've ever fixed that or not. To be fair, the reason why this happened is because I gave you access so I think you could watch uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. And the newsroom. And the newsroom. Yes. And it turned out that I didn't, we never, we never removed that from your, from your PlayStation 4. And I meant to, and I meant to change it over and I forgot. Manage just open stuff. You know, just enjoy the month. <laughs> just enjoy the month. I just apologize. Make sure you stick with HBO and you're fine. <laughs> so you watched Invisible Man. Well, when we reactivated your account, we watched Us. Yeah. And so my movies I've watched so far are Parasite, Joker, Invisible Man, and Us. Yeah. So it may have just been that it was an average movie sandwiched between really, really great movies. You probably are right on that. Like, it had a twist ending I saw coming, and then had a twist ending I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't want to be too spoilery, but there's there's layers to the, what happens in the movie. Yeah. I don't know if the the extra stuff was really earned or not. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it was well acted, it was well shot, it looked good. I guess maybe the story was just a little weak. Now, I don't know, I, I knew that it came out, but I could I don't remember, is this the uh, Ellis novel or the H.G. Wells novel? I don't know. I guess I have to look at the plot. It's It's a modern retelling anyway, so it's probably neither. Okay, okay. It's got a lot more to do with technology and stalking and, like, um, abusive relationships. Oh, okay, got you. So. I know it's got the female actress, and I can never remember her name because I'm bad with, I'm just, not, just because I'm bad with actors and actresses' names, um, that plays the main character on Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, she's fantastic in that, so, like, that was the one thing I think drew me to want to watch this movie. She's very good in this. Like, everybody, everybody's acting in the movie is fine. She's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, considering she spends most of the movie like reacting to something that's not there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was just it was just okay. Like, okay. Don't activate somebody's HBO account to watch it. But <laughs> us was fantastic. That's uh, Jordan Peele. Yes, that was the second movie, okay. and I, I'm still thinking about that and rolling that, especially considering some of the themes in the movie and our current climate. Yeah, with regards to race relations and yes, I'm still rolling some of that around in my head. Yeah, it's definitely. I think, I think it's, you know, from everything I know of it, which isn't much. I do know a few other things about kind of like the premise. You know, it, it is one of those things where it's great to see people of color being able to, you know, like like getting the opportunity to tell these types of stories in Hollywood, right. You know, we need we need so many more of these of of these types of stories and experiences and and, and things brought out in in the, this media. And I think something telling about that, mm-hmm. the two leads in us are both in Black Panther. Yeah. So that tells you the the depth of quality African American actors in America, or at least ones that were given a, not necessarily the not not talent, obviously, but um, opportunity. The two main leads, the husband and wife, are the guy that played Umbaku, mm-hmm. and then um, the 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 female love interest, right from Black Panther. So it's like, well, yeah. you know, you're you have a very small pool that you're giving the opportunity to that are that are mm-hmm. Oscar worthy actors, right? That's not a knock on Jordan Peele necessarily or any no. or the movie at all, but I just I thought that was interesting. Yeah, an interesting kind of, like, not I'll say parallel, but like I guess just thing that is part of that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying there just there just isn't a huge breadth mm-hmm. of people that are leading, considered leading material in America. That's interesting because that kind of segs and segues a little bit into like what I something that I watched recently, um, which was I watched um, the entirety of Netflix's Hollywood. Okay. Uh, which is a Netflix original series about um, kind of like the golden age of Hollywood. And it tells the story of these up-and-coming actors and actresses who, um, you know, like they kind of goes to a lot of different places. Like, the, the the basically, essentially, a lot of these people who are trying to, like, make it um, also are working at this, like, gas station, which, like, caters to women and men looking for sex. Um, weird. Which is kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, but the the big crux of the television show is that they're going to try to tell this 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 story. They're going to there's this black writer 
who writes this story about um, apparently this woman who throw who ends up like kind of throwing herself off of the Hollywood sign, but then they decide to change it so the main uh, character the uh, the woman is uh, is also a person of color, uh, and it's uh, like this whole struggle of like looking at race and sexuality and all these things and, and ways of like kind of changing the norms of like that particular like the golden era of like old school Hollywood and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was it was really fascinating. I, I think. Kind of like, I kin it to like Game of Thrones. When Game of Thrones got over its fascination of being like, "Hey, we can just have sex all the time," as like the draw, right? It got real. It got better. You could argue the ending of that, but anyway, um, it, like, it, it had its ups and downs. Um, yes, but it definitely early on it suffered from um, HBOitis. Yeah, and and I think this too. Like there was just a lot of like the first couple of episodes. There's only like seven episodes in the in the series, seven or eight. And like the first couple episodes are just like sex, 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 gay, 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 sex, and it's just like that's great to draw in an audience, but like there's a story that you could tell that like once they got into like the middle, they actually got into the story more, and it was it was much more engaging. There's a lot of shows that do that. Um, True Blood, I felt was the same way, mm-hmm. where I liked True Blood. It it kind of fell off too, and like I gave up on it after a while. Yeah, but a few of the early episodes, but it was just it was just sex constantly and i was like mm-hmm. can we maybe have the you know those would be half hour episodes if we weren't focusing on the softcore porn right i don't want to be a prude about it or not a prude about it but at some no. point just like come on just i'm i'm absolutely not a prude either about it like and i think that sex has a place in storytelling but you know if if i want to watch sex for sex i'm gonna you know find that elsewhere i'm not gonna, well that's what i'm know. saying it's it's uh there's definitely a place for it in storytelling. There's definitely a place for it where it becomes uh, integral to the plot. Yeah. Like, you you wouldn't want to cut out the... Um, spoiler for Game of Thrones, season one. <laughs> the You wouldn't want to cut out the whole Cersei Jamie thing. That was shocking. Mm-hmm. That was important. That was a crux to the whole... It sets up, apparently, the end of the thing when, yeah. that, when he becomes, you know, spoiler, extremely important, the kid, by the end. Right. Bran. I thought the hotel season of American Horror Story was particularly bad about it, too. Yeah, I haven't started that one yet. I think that's the one I'm on next, I, eventually, if I I did it. like it eventually, but it was still one of the weaker seasons, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people tell me vastly different opinions than my opinions on what seasons I like and what I didn't, but mm-hmm. that was my complaint about Hotel, was it was uh, vampires as sexy, so it was just constant. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, but Hotel also has one of my favorite characters in American Horror Story, period, so. Uh, favorite season of American Horror Story while we're talking about it? Uh, probably Coven. Okay. That's probably my second, but I think I've only seen the half of them. Um, I like Asylum the best. Asylum was good, but Asylum had some weird bits that didn't. <laughs> we're going to do a whole other bonus episode. <laughs> talking about if we're not that. careful, we, we, we'll, we'll fall into that. Maybe we'll do that at some point. We'll do a bonus episode talking about that. American Horror Story Seasons? Mm-hmm. I can, I can definitely fight with that. I'd be down with that. The most recent season's really good, too. Uh, yeah, I'm behind. I've only seen, like, the first half, so. I liked Coven a lot. I liked... Apocalypse was okay for what it was. 1987 was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 1984, I guess it was, whatever one, yeah. the, the slasher camp one. Yeah. But yeah, we can, we should definitely do a bonus episode and dig into those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's what I guess both of us have been watching. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to do? There's, 
Not much else. Um, I've been watching Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, yes, I've seen that. That you. I'm have almost been. done with season three at this point. I love that show, and it's all it's, blur now. But oh, it's it's pretty great. Like I, no offense, I went into it a little skeptical. Fair enough. Um, just because I wasn't really sure. Well, and I think I was fair in telling quickly. you that it was like, it's a little weird, and it's like a cartoon. I enjoyed the hell out of it, yeah. but it's fantastical realism. Like it's not. Like ultimately, it did win me over. Like it's it's a it's a funny like legitimately. I think I laugh out loud more at the things that are said in one-liners in that show than in most other comedies that I watch. Now that you've seen it, mm-hmm. when we did extraordinary, tried to do that extraordinary league game, I tried that. Yeah. Was I wrong to try to get my wife to ha- play her the character? No, totally. Like she, she played the character well. Yep, and like I think. <laughs> I think she's an appropriate character for that kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have a much bigger appreciation for Titus Andromedon than I, I did going in of, like, the way you just described him. Like, I just... He's great. Everyone's he, great. All the characters a, are great. They are. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Carol Kane's a national fucking treasure. Yes, I will agree with you completely on that. Um, wholeheartedly. I, I think Lily I, I is just my watched, favorite character. I just watched the episode where... Um, Gosh, um, I can never. I'm bad with actresses' names and actresses okay. and actresses' names. Okay, the one, the one who's in Thirty Rock, Tina Fey. No, oh, though I love her. She, her character is fucking the best. Oh, she was um, funny. Oh, uh, Jane Krakowski. Yeah, Jane Krakowski. Yeah. Um, um she tries. She tries to help her, like essentially, like get classier, and she dresses her up. And at the end of the episode, she gives in and like gives up on it. And she just like lifts her hair down and back up and she's got the curls again and I about fucking lost it. <laughs> fucking lost it. So good. Anywho. Hey, let's talk about One Punch Man. Yeah, we probably should at this point. We should probably... Hey, you know what? This won't be a half an hour episode because we're already 20 minutes into recording. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. It's it's Bill's week. It is my week. And uh, you're going to tell us about episode 21. So we open where we ended the last episode, which is a defeated and crying Shiri Ryu uh, being mm-hmm. saved by Saitama in his full-on superhero gear. Yep, it's kind of a really brief opening scene. A lot of times we'll get a longer opening scene. This one some, uh, felt like it kind of went by really quick. I think it did. I don't think it, it felt like. I think it just straight up was. Uh, and I think we already had this where he tells Shiri, Shiri Ryu that he uh, he did well fighting on his own, but he's got it from here. And Shiri Ryu just, like, looks up, he's almost crying and snotty, and he's just like, I recognize that head. <laughs> I love that line! And I love that he's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's a dude from the finals that I hate. So past the theme song, we got Bakuzan, the monster. Who we built up as being this, like, big, strong, tough monster on the same level as the other monster that beat the shit out of Shiri Ryu, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It starts with a G, I think. Goketsu. Goketsu, yes. And Bakuzan just gets all cocky about, hey, Oshiro showed up. You're, like, you're just here to make your name on me and whatever. Well, he's momentarily cocky. Yeah, and then he recognizes him. Yeah. And realizes he's the guy that beat him in the second round of the tournament. With he one does punch. a fucking double take. Yep. And then he stops being scared again. And just goes, eh, I'm a monster now. This scene is great. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole battle... If you want to call it that, is fantastic because he essentially is like he has that same level of confidence yet again that we saw in the initial fight. Because remember last time that we saw these two fight, it was that was he was the one that did that whole 
declaration to him, like saying like, hey, I'm going to do this to you. And then after I sweep you, I'm going to break all your organs. And then I'm going to come down on your head and I'm going to like, you know, break your brain or whatever. Like he laid it out one thing than another. And he kind of does the same thing here yet again. Like he doesn't learn from his mistakes. No. Well, he is like the man failed, but the monster can win. Yes. The monster's tougher. The the monstering is what uh, reset his cockiness. Yes. When he kicks Saitama, he just slides him sideways like a chess piece. (laughs) And he he just winds up standing over there by the wounded, uh, the two heroes and Shuri Ryu. And Sour Face. Just just the rook going straight across the board. And he's like, oh, well, you didn't die from that, so I'm going to throw my bear killer kick at you. Which does nothing. Which does nothing also. Uh, Shuri Ryu tries to get Saitama to defend himself um, instead of saying that they're defending the wounded. Because, like, Shuri Ryu is all in Saitama's camp right now. Yeah, it's a complete reversal. Yeah, like, he is all about him. He's like, defend yourself, don't worry about them. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's really kind of fascinating that he does make that change. We talked about that last episode, I think, a little bit. And whether or not his crying out for help was a moment of cowardice or a moment of, like, catharsis, in a way. Yeah, I, I think this still falls in the humility thing. Yeah, absolutely. And Saitama's just standing there like, I've met this guy before. Have I met this guy before? Oh, I love it. Yet again, Saitama does has no idea. He doesn't connect the dots. He doesn't he doesn't pay enough attention. At least this guy looks different than the last time you met him. I will give him that. It's not like uh, Speed of Sound Sonic or any of those other ones, right? Yeah, when you're three times taller and have a horn in your head, at least... There's some excuse. Yeah, there's a little, little bit of an excuse. Um, Bakuzan then throws his finisher and gets one punched. Oh, God, it's gross. Like, again, yet again, there's just, it, there's a shot of him going for his finisher, and then it pans over, and you just see, like, literally split diagonally across, like, jaggedly, is, yeah, like, the, the lower like half kinda, of Bakuzan's body. It's like he uppercutted with his left hand from, from like, hip to right, and just, like, mm-hmm. dug it right through his chest. Oh, and we see little bits of viscera later, like, oh, point, yeah. like a shot of his eyeball. Just raining down. Ugh, gross. So at this point, Shiri Ryu thinks this was a all one big sting by the Hero Association. <laughs> He's like, oh, you guys set this up, and you were here as a decoy, and, and Saitama's like, no, I wanted to learn martial arts. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you came to learn martial arts so you could uh, figure out how to beat uh, the Kiro killer, Garu, because, you know, he does martial arts. And he's like, no, he just, he did it, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> This could have been solved had Saitama gone to Wikipedia. It, it really could have. Watched an hour's worth of YouTube videos. It, it really could have. Or even like a few Bruce Lee movies or something. I mean... Yeah! He and Genos could have made some popcorn. Could have watched a Bruce Lee movie. Enter the Dragon or something. Yeah, it really could have. Maybe Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. So then Shuri Ryu is like, oh, but Goketsu's still out there. And he's really powerful. Again, I love how Shuri Ryu who got his ass kicked by this guy, plays up the whole time. Like, hey, this guy is really tough. You've got to be careful. If you run into him, He's he may kill you. Like, you're not strong enough to take him on. And I don't know if it's he's playing it up or if it's just sheer cocky. Like, he truly believes, like, hey, if he beats me, man. Mm-hmm. And, well, Goketsu is a threat because we're seeing Genos being airlifted, like chunks of Genos being... Oh, yeah! Amazon droned back to the, the lab. <laughs> <laughs> to fight... Oh, I'm sorry, that was uh, that was Bakuzan that did that to Genos, not Goketsu. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was Bakuzan, not Goketsu. 
Because the whole time he's just like, okay, well, well Raleigh, the, was no, it, it was Bakugan because he because that was the that was the irony of the scene because Genos is like, we'll have to rally all the the class S heroes and master, and then like I will hit him high, and then we can and like meanwhile smoldering chunks. <laughs> And yeah, sure you're just doing this whole like go catch super super bad and you're gonna get hurt and mm-hmm. Saitama's like, Oh, that way. Alright. <laughs> and just strolls out to find yeah. him. Well, Shuri Ryu grabs him by the ankle and tries to like ball and chain him to keep mm-hmm. him from getting himself killed. I love that. And then just weeps when Saitama gets away from him. He's like, I owe him my life and he's gonna throw his life away and it's unfair that and he's like weeping. And he's like, I understand what true heroes are. And he's... Oh, my God. He gives a beautiful speech about Satama's lost potential and all the lives he could have saved. And there's Koketsu's head. <laughs> Just... It flies over into the arena. <laughs> yeah. Splats next to him. And Saitama has... I mean, this comes after, like you mentioned, this dramatic scene. This dramatic sort of, like, soliloquy. And the sounds of battle and, 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 and explosions and things. And then just, phew, that's it. Yep. <laughs> just thump. I think I get the title of this episode now. Yeah, right? So, yeah, Saitama comes back to check on Shuri Ryu. Show him the head. Hey, look, I did that. <laughs> and Shuri Ryu's like, I am going to take the interest exam to be a hero, and I think that's really important. And I'm afraid to, to, to do it and to fight and fail, but I think I should. Um, this is just one question, Saitama. Can I be your disciple? <laughs> okay, that's great. I, I love that he he not only does he come up with the, the decision that he's going to do that, like he does ask Saitama, like, "Could I be a hero?" And Saitama's answer is like, "I don't know, probably." Like, <laughs> I mean, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, "If any, if I could do it, I suppose that you could do it, or anyone <laughs> could do it." But yeah, I oh my god! So at that moment when he asks the question, "Can I be your disciple?" My thought is, "Holy crap!" It's like a reverse gay harem or something. Like, <laughs> like it's he's he's building this like whole. He's gonna start building this whole like roster of other powerful heroes. They're gonna follow him. Well, but then <laughs> he's absolutely not. <laughs> That's his response. Is absolutely not. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because Genos drives him nuts. Okay. That's a good answer. A very good answer. Yep. Elsewhere, uh, we cut back to everybody's favorite Purry Purry Prisoner. Yes! And we know In that... In all this nude glory. Yes. We, well, that's how we know stuff is serious, because he's naked. Mm-hmm. Oh, very naked. And he's battling a hedgehog monster carrying a free hug sign. <laughs> what the fuck is happening in this scene? I laughed so fuck. Like, I paused it to do some writing, and I sat there and laughed for... 30 seconds at the, the picture on my TV screen. <laughs> it's almost like the perfect villain for Purry Purry Prisoner. Because he just wants to hug everyone, apparently, and show them love. Yep. And the people who are, like, in this building across the way, who are all like, Be careful! Don't don't hug him! Yeah. He's Use got your ball and chains. <laughs> yeah, like, hit him with your ball and chain! He can't understand them, so he thinks they're just cheering him on. <laughs> um... And says, hey, I thank you for your uh, enthusiasm. I will shower you all with kisses later. <laughs> but now, you need to get Fodor. 
Get, get Fotur? Get the fuck off the roof. <laughs> Beautiful. So since he can't hear the advice to use the ball and chain, he decides, love, that's my weapon. Well, of course love is his weapon. He takes this horny furry on his sign and gives him his free hug. And bear hugs him to death. Oh yeah, and then immediately after you see him, his body is like covered in scars and scratches. Yeah, and then we have a full-on, full-screen close-up of his ass. Oh yeah, um, Cause it... no, no, <laughs> not just that. That's not the comedy part. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'll let you describe it, but I, I have questions. Well, his ass buzzes. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly he has a phone in his hand speaking <laughs> into it. I have so many questions. I think the prison wallet is one of his powers. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not even... Being a jackass. I think that's literally the tent. No, you're probably right. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to feel about it. It's offensive. Yes. But it's also kind of hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and Puri Puri Prisoner is one of the best characters in the show. I have conflicted feelings about him because I love Puri Puri Prisoner, but I think deep down I probably shouldn't. You should yeah. You do, but you shouldn't. Especially as the gay man in the room. I feel like I shouldn't. No, absolutely. I <laughs> Not a woke character. No! Far from woke! But... So far from woke! Is he subversive because he's so great? Like, he has such a stereotype and such a a gay joke, and he's so great on top of that? Like, is that subverting the trope? Or is it... Maybe... Did they just happen to hit right? Maybe. I don't know. I think it, it helped me that he did a C does Sailor Moon-esque transformations. But even that's kind of offensive because he's being effeminate. Yes. Totally. I don't, I, I truly, truly don't know if this was just a poor taste joke and it worked so well, or if this is them trying to be subversive. I really don't know. I have no answer. If you have an answer, fans, let us know what you think about Puri Puri Prisoner. We'd love to hear <laughs> your take on it. I still think you need that Puri Puri Prisoner t-shirt. I do actually want the Puri Puri Prisoner t-shirt. I do want that. I would wear that. Not to work. <laughs> Not to work, but I'd wear it. And we get like a weird moment where he tells us that somebody broke into his house <laughs> and stole his honeys. And like we see a wall, a broken wall. And we, I don't, we don't get any more clarity of that. I don't, is that the prison? No, because he says like comfy hidey hole or something or it's comfy, <laughs> yeah, cozy, comfy home or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea what I that don't, was referencing. It looked like a, like a brick house. It didn't look like a prison, but maybe he like, Put, maybe again he's being offensive and he put like this cozy little facade on the side of the prisoners. I, I don't know. I have no, I have zero. Maybe it's the conjugal visit area. I have no idea. Yeah. But who stole his honeys and why? We never find Good out. Good question. We <laughs> never, we never find out. It's, you have to read the manga to figure it out. <laughs> you know what? I'm invoking the break card. Welcome to The Break Card. My name is Andy, and you're listening to another episode of Tuning Japanese, a podcast where Bill and myself this week are talking about yet another episode of One Punch Man. Normally, I'd start The Break Card by saying something about our Patreon, something about email and social media, but I've decided instead to say that with everything going on in this world right now, I really hope that every one of you is doing well. 
I know that with obviously we've been dealing for the last couple of months with the coronavirus, but I think now more importantly, even than what's going on there, the social issues plaguing the United States when it comes to police violence and when it comes to racial uh, issues and turmoil uh, and the mistreatment of people of color, I think has been on the minds of myself and Bill and Josh and anyone uh, associated here with Tuning Japanese. And I know that this is not a place to really get political, but but you know, instead of just going through the normal stuff we would say here, um, I would like to say that if you want to affect change in some way, you know, look around locally and see where people are protesting peacefully, and you know what organizations like the NAACP, amongst others, uh, you can donate your money to if you are unable to get out to something like a protest. I think it's a time where we need to be kind to one another, we need to love one another, and we need to admit and try to find some sense of solution to the plague that is systemic racism. Uh, something that I preach in my classroom that I teach, especially with my seniors in a college class that I teach. We spend a good month looking at and defining and, and trying to figure out what systemic racism is in all of its different forms. And I'd just like to say that we at Tuning Japanese understand that Black Lives Matter, and it is a stance that we feel very strongly about. On a lighter side, after all that, if you want to help support us, we just released what I think is one of my favorite episodes that I've ever done. It was Bill, Josh, surprisingly, uh, was able to get on for this, and myself on our bonus episode number 40, uh, which is uh, we did a, a really fun thing where we took um, essentially the idea of, you know, what if different anime characters from the stuff that we reviewed, so Trigon and Excel Saga and Wolf Strain and Gurren Lagann, what if those characters tried to get into the Hero Association? And uh, we basically argued and placed them in a really fun video. It's not even just audio, it's video too, of where they would belong and whether they would get into the Hero Association. So you can go check that out at patreon.com slash tuningjapanese. That is under the $3 a month tier donation. You get that as well as 39 other bonus episodes that you can go back and listen to hours upon hours upon hours of bonus content available to you uh, by helping to support our show. Don't forget our social media links. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And you can reach to us on email as well. But yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I hope that everyone is well. I hope that you find ways to distract yourself from this world, but also that you take part in raising your voice where it's needed. And let's get back right now to our review of One Punch Man. Back to Saitama, and he's wandering these desolate streets. Yes, he is. And he's actually kind of wondering, dude, like, how we let this happen. Because <laughs> he was at the tournament. Yeah. Um, he actually seems to be getting a little, like, emotional. Like, I wasted all that time. At the, like, this happened while I was at the tournament, and I didn't even get anything out of the tournament. I wasted my time <laughs> there just to learn that martial arts are neat-looking moves. And this happened while I was there. They're moves that look cool. And we get a bicycle tire rolling up next to him. Yes! I thought it was going to be Moomin Rider. Oh, 100%. Uh, but it's the uh, Corona costume variant of King. Um, he's got a little hard hat and a face mask and a mm -hmm. hoodie. And... Yep, that's... that's it's, a, it's impacting us all. Yep. And King does try to cheer him up, though. 
This is a really good scene. It I is. like the scene because you actually see Saitama like open up about his mental state. Yep. Which we get bits and pieces of it, like from time to time about how bored he is. But like I feel but like But a lot even... of times it's either a joke or it's a monologue. And it's not it's it's neither of those things here. It's exactly. not played as a joke. It's played as like like he legit is trying to open up about how he like his mental state and how he feels. Yeah, I mean, it, it does start out with a joke, like because King is like, "Hey, I know people that can do wigs and do transplants, and you're still yeah. young. Maybe I'll grow back." And but he he very quickly pushes that joke aside. Yeah, that joke was just a split second. Um, and really, we dive right into the uh, the thesis of the show again. Yeah, it's great. It really is. It's a good scene. So King, and actually, I like how it it progresses because King goes, you know, there's a ballroom dancing place down the street go ballroom dance or make some friends make there. some friends and he says we'll, we'll take a trip at some point and Saitama's like i don't really want to go anywhere i don't really want to make friends and king kind of calls him out he's like dude you got to do something with your life like pursuit of power for the pursuit of power to fight and get better at fighting shouldn't be your end goal yeah you're you, there's more to life than that find a real goal and use your power to get there absolutely and it was a really powerful scene. And then it was really funny because then he goes, yeah, I got that from a manga. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just a blip. Yep. Because it is still a comedy. Yep. But, like, it's it's one of those things that, in in the it, way that they storytell, that they can, they can really build deep characters. And it makes the comedy deeper Absolutely. to have the, the non-comedy moments. Yeah. There's a reason why those movies that are like movie 43 that's just gross joke after gross joke mm -hmm. are not the classics that something like Blazing Saddles is. You know, you, right. you, you got to have depth there to make those jokes really hit. Yeah, totally. So King's next idea is, is uh, he pulls a uh, Walter and goes, fuck it, dude. Let's go play video games. Yeah. Which is which is and, what King do. Yep. Saddam was not crazy about it at first, but uh, King says that he goes, make it challenging. I'll beat you using one finger from each hand, and that's it. And that gets Saitama all wound up. Two things about this. Okay. I think I number know. one, number one, when we said that this was Thurk. <laughs> we were not kidding. We were not kidding. Because Thurk will, has played and beat me in Tekken using his feet. Yep. I think he's done the number, one finger or two finger thing, too. Yeah. Number two. Saitama gets so sweary here. I know. He's like, I'm going to, I'm so going to crush your ass this time. It's like, I've never seen him swear. I know. He gets, he so, gets upset. so pissed. But even then, King is being a good friend because he's doing something to upset Saitama yeah, to give him a reason emotional... to challenge yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it works. It totally works. I it... love, it might be one of my favorite scenes from this whole season. It's it's one of the best scenes between the two of them. They get some good Absolutely. scenes. The two of them do. They really That's do. saying something. They've doubled down on the King character this season. So then we jump over to Garu, and he has been absolutely trounced by Watchdog Man. <laughs> and again, again, like I said last episode, we're cheated. <laughs> I feel completely fucking cheated because we've built up this Watchdog Man as being really badass, and we still barely get to see the fight. Right. Oh, it makes me mad. But it's not the important thing to have the fight either. It is for me. <laughs> What's important is the paths cross. Garu 
with King and Saitama. And Garu goes, I know I'm beaten, I know I'm busted, but I'm going to be better because I learned all these techniques that Watchdog Man did, and I, I figured it out, and I'm going to use it all on King right this second. See, yeah, so he, 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 he gathers his emotional and physical strength. He's ready to go round two here, this time with King. Yep, and, you know, not knowing that King is just a dude who's kind of lucky and good at video games. Yep. And he pounces on full uh, killer mode on King. <laughs> And Saitama just casually front kicks him out of the way. Just, oh, <laughs> just boots him. Just, fr- oh, just straight up, just, just raises his boot. And in Saitama fashion, has no idea who it was. He's like, monsters aren't bad enough. Now we got these hoodlums. Oh, and just leaves, leaves him crashing through a wall with a silhouette. And then, as they're walking away, King and Saitama talk about this hero hunter. And Saitama's like, I hope he's a really tough fight. I hope he's as good as they say he is. <laughs> They're just, like, wandering away. <laughs> and getting a shot of the crater in the building shaped like Garu. Yep. That was also very good. It was. It was... I feel like this show does the, the irony quite well. Extremely well. Uh, we move over to Speed of Sound Sonic, speaking of him. And he's training in the woods to fight Saitama. And he gets confronted by two ninjas from his village. And turns out that these two ninjas have joined the Monster Association. And they're recruiting Speed of Sound Sonic to help them. Because they want to take down Flashy Flash. The S-Class hero from their village. Uh, again, two things. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I don't. I think this is the first time we've got confirmation in the series that he has some sort of like ninja village that he's from. Yeah, I think so. And two, is Flashy Flash the, the speedy one? Yeah, he's the guy that... We call him, like, the elf asshole. Okay. So, essentially, it'd be fast versus fast. Yeah. They need speed to beat speed. Yep. Okay. They, they, they think they can do it, but they want him to be sure they can do yeah, it. Yeah, totally. So, they transform their monster forms, and they whip out one of the tasty, testy treats. <laughs> and tell him, you know, hey, this is better than sex and better than drugs, and, you know, this will make you strong and fast, and, you know, your orgasms will last for 45 minutes, and... <laughs> <laughs> your, your farts will smell like peanut butter. I mean, just these things are great. I wish my farts smelled like peanut butter. <laughs> I mean, you could fill your ass with peanuts. <laughs> <sighs> Don't talk about my personal life that way. All right, uh... <laughs> Episode title? <laughs> <laughs> Might be. <laughs> Speed of Sound Sonic thinks about it for a while and decides, like, he's not that interested in being a monster. Mm-hmm. But he will give anything to take down Saitama. Oh, totally. So if, it give, if he has to give up his humanity to do it, fine. He'll do it. He'll do it. We cut back to the Hero HQ, and they're looking at City W, I believe. Yes. And the biggest threat there currently is Marshall Gorilla. And I swear the joke has got to have been, he's supposed to have been Shea Gorilla. Right. Or Gorilla Gorilla. Either way, he's the biggest threat currently in, uh, in City W, and I guess his big defining factor is he's obsessed with his rank. Like, he wants to become yeah. a demon rank. Yeah. So, um, I... Wait, so that raised a question, then. Or threat level, I guess. Because, like, obviously we know S-class, A-class, B-class, C-class. Yep. And if you want to know more about that, by the way, we just did a bonus episode that you should go check out on the Patreon at patreon.com slash tuningjapanese. That was actually a lot of fun. Uh, it was, I think, my, one of my... Aside from um, doing the thing we did with the Trigun villains... I think it might be one of the fav- one of my favorite things we've done, especially for those bonus episodes. Yep. 
Uh, Josh was on there too. So if you want to, if you miss Josh and you want to hear Josh's uh, additions to that conversation, uh, he'll be on there as well. It's I find it fascinating that the clarifications given by the Hero Association for the threat levels, it almost sounds like that's their S class, A class, B class, C class. Yeah, the Hero Association is handing out classes to heroes and threat levels to bad guys. Yeah. And I think it's what wolf, tiger, demon, dragon, and god, I think is what they Yeah, I think I think so. I think I think it's demon and the dragon. It might be the way around, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it's yeah. Um, we cut back to uh, Zombie Man, who is Class S, rank 8, and he's what? actually got his eyes on Marshall Gorilla. What, why am I only just now learning about Zombie Man? I don't think I remember him being in Class S at all. At the big meeting, you saw him, but, like, okay. for two seconds. I just don't remember them even mentioning the name Zombie Man. Like, I don't know that they even mentioned it so much as they showed it at the bottom of the screen when they, sh- when they did that big meeting. Yeah, in Season 1. Yep. Okay. I think that may be the only time we've had any interaction with him. Okay. And we don't really see what he could do here either. Nope, because he's ready to handle this when Marshall Gorilla... I guess I... Okay, I was really confused in this scene. Yeah, he Marshall Gorilla sees Armored Gorilla from the House of Evolution. Oh, oh, okay, okay. All of this makes so much more sense now that you're explaining this. Because yeah. I, I was like, who is this monkey? The Marshall Gorilla is one of the monsters from the Monster right. Association. Right. The guy in the hoodie, the gorilla in the hoodie, <laughs> is the one that had the, um, he worked for that same place that had, like, um, Carnage oh. Kabuto and the doctor with all of his clones. And yeah. He was the one that okay. had the radar dish in his head. What a callback. Right? And like, that's a character I'd forgotten about completely. Which is weird because Marshall Gorilla gets all serious about it. He's like, oh, you're a freelance monster, a mercenary monster, and you trying to join up with us and trying to, and he's like, uh, armored gorilla is like, no, man, I'm going to get groceries. <laughs> Marshall gorilla says, oh, you fucking sell out. Like trying to live like a human. Fuck you. And throws a knife at armored gorilla, <laughs> breaking it on his face. And armored gorilla just lays him out. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It was a weird scene. It's a really weird scene, and being that I have not finished season two yet, that I'm just this is as far as I am as this episode. I'm like, where is this going to go? Like, I don't, I don't like, think it goes anywhere. Like, like, where can you even take that story with three episodes left that isn't just going to be a weird distraction? I think they just thought it would be funny to have the two girls fight and show us which one's tougher. I, I guess. Think, I think. Is that all that is? I guess. Well, then at the end of that scene, two zombie man's like, never mind, I've got a new target. Yeah, because he follows him. So, like, I, that's so weird. It's a, I, it's not necessary, and like, I don't, at all. And I don't remember from my first watch through this leading anywhere. So my assumption is Zombie Man just follows this guy and goes, oh, I guess he's not up to anything other than actually buying groceries, and leaves him alone. I like callbacks. You know that. I like callbacks. Yeah. But, like, this one just seems strange to me. Unless this is building up, like, a another storyline with the House of Evolution. Right, maybe in season three. Yeah, maybe that's something they'll they'll come back to or something. Maybe it's possible. I, I really don't know. I I have no idea. Elsewhere, Bang and Bomb are on a rooftop at dusk, mm-hmm. and Bomb brings up that hey, we haven't found Garu. We don't know where he's at. You know, maybe one of the monsters, one of the heroes, got him. You know, while all this is going on. Uh, but Bang goes now. I know better. I didn't raise him to be weak. He's he's still out there. Yeah. Speaking of callbacks. 
The leaders of the Hero Association discuss the intel that Drive Knight was actually able to beat out of that cell goblin. Mm-hmm. Nothing we don't already know about the Monster Association. Yeah. And this is just like how the the Hero Association got caught up with all the rest of us. Ex- essentially, yeah. I mean, maybe for us as the audience, just a quick leave you a little reminder yep. of a few in- facts. They're pretty cocky, and they think this whole thing is just a message. You know, the monsters are rioting and protesting because they they have some demands they want to have met. Ooh, there's a lot of weird parallels going on there. I, yeah, I was I was kind of tiptoeing around what to say about this too, other than that's <sighs> that's what they think. Hmm, the governing body uh, with the with the big old you know military police force ish. You know, mm, okay, all right. Well, they at least are considering a giving in to the man, so there's that. There is that. I mean, this is fantasy. Yeah. They all decide, though, that the boy's recovery is top priority. Yes. Um, Save because the child. If, because money. Yeah, not because he's a child. <laughs> but because his dad gives, like, 7% of their budget. It's really important, I think, to note. You know, it's not because anything of this kid. It's, like, like it's not out of an altruistic, like, we must save children. Yep. And then, as they're discussing this, all of a sudden, one of the aides breaks into the room, and he just keeps repeating, the Monster Association has a message. The Monster Association has a message. The Monster Association has a message. What was the message? We don't get the message yet. Oh. Well, we do see, like, the the weird, like, it gets, like, monster tentacles or whatever. He does start to slowly grow slug tentacles. Oh, and this, yeah, because it is the end, because then we get, like, the weird scene where, like, instead of, like, post-credits, like, the credits are, like, built into the episode to make the episode longer. Yeah, yep. Okay, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, his current message, the only message he has is that he's got some slug antennas. Like, Wait, okay, before we before we talk about that, though... Colorful dildos okay. hanging off his forehead. Okay, before we talk about the dildo head, okay. um, I want to go back to Sonic for a second. We do go back to Sonic right after that. Uh, okay, okay, got it. And it's Sonic's Speed of Sound Sonic's cooking show. Yeah, can we... Speed of Sound Sonic's seasoning... Sessions. He cooks the monster goo. He fillets it thinly. Uh, he flambes it. Looks like he's got some red wine there to do make a nice reduction of it. Um, got a little slice of lotus root next to it and some chives or scallions. Really, you know, it. it if it wasn't a disgusting purple testicle, like... <laughs> You know, if it wasn't, like, a pocket-sized coronavirus. Uh-huh. Like, if you just did that with a chicken breast, it would look really good. And it's it's actually drawn in, like, one of those cooking anime. Like, it's very well-drawn and steaming and colorful. And... Can, can can you do that? Like Which part? And still, and still get monster powers? Did he cook out the monster powers? <laughs> we get a little disclaimer right at the end. Oh, this is great. And uh, apparently the only thing it turned into a monster was uh, his anus. <laughs> do, you, do you want to be a little more specific than that? It, I mean, it, not too specific. It, it, <laughs> it just says that he got the run, terrible runs <laughs> shortly after. Speed of Sound Sonic <laughs> got terrible runs. I was like, wait a minute. Which I wonder if like the speedster getting the runs is also kind of a joke. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't get, like, the monster squirts or, you know. Which, again, is another weird storyline thing, like, the with, with the with the gorillas. 
if Speed of Sound Sonic then doesn't turn into a monster, then what's the point of doing this whole scene aside from the joke, the poop joke? <laughs> I think maybe the poop... I guess you're showing how... A, how into himself Speed of Sound Sonic is, because it's like, I'm not going to eat this thing raw, I'm going to... Right. I'm going to, like, use French culinary technique. <laughs> and I guess maybe to show how invested he is in beating Saitama... I Even guess, though he, yeah. he failed at this particular plot. Right. He self-defeated. Right. Maybe it was just the poop joke. Yeah, ultimately, I think it might just be the poop joke. All right, anywho, so that happened. Because it was just a disclaimer on screen. It wasn't even like he ran to the bathroom and his stomach gurgled and... No, it's just, it's just, just a flash of text. <laughs> yeah, just, just later, <laughs> he had the shits. Pretty much. And that's the episode. Now, we did get... Was that the last scene? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because like you said, the, the on my Hulu it was at least. Let's put it that way. Because I went back okay. and replayed, reloaded it again trying to get if there was a, yeah. an after credits or a credit scene or something. Yeah. And there could, isn't one of those. I know that. No, and there's, there's nothing there. So that, that's it. This episode is weird at the end because, you know, we usually get the end theme song. We don't get the end theme song this time. No, we, we it, end with a flash of credits that tell us that the ninja shit his pants. <laughs> that's what we and, got well like in the more dramatic part leading up to this which was the 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 hero hq stuff where the guy comes in and like sprouts dildos from his head we get like bits of the actual end credit stuff like the producing studio and actors and things like interspersed on that so like it makes obviously like they they needed extra time on this I, episode i guess but but like i don't feel did like they need they extra did. time when all they did was a poop joke I don't, yeah, I don't feel like they needed the extra time. They had a gorilla fight, a poop joke, uh, a flash of a cooking anime. Like, they didn't need the extra time, but they wanted it. Yeah. Badly. Right. That, it was weird. It, that, the ending was weird to this episode. The second was, half was very strange. It was paced strangely. It really it was. It was, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's episode 21 or episode 9 of season 2 of One Punch Man. Um, which, once again, is titled what? The Troubles of the Strongest. There you go. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we thought of the episode overall. Bill, it's your episode. What do you think of it? It was strangely paced. I didn't hate any of the uh, components. They did a well-drawn food. They did some storylines <laughs> with side characters. They had a great philosophical moment. With a friend help, you know, opening up with struggles and having his friend help him and mm -hmm. effectively help him, yeah, and give him a, a, a purpose in life and tell him, hey, find something other than just this here strong hero fighting stuff, right? You know, use that to get to fulfill a better purpose. So there was a lot of good here, and I think this is worth watching at least for that scene. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was strange, extremely. It was it was paced weird. I will give you that. I, I, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you with regards to this episode. I think as individual pieces, most everything was really good. I, I like, like you, I love the Saitama King stuff. I yep. even like the continuing comedy with Garu. You know, I'm a little thrown off because I, I'm still kind of wondering what role he's going to play in the last three episodes, given everything. Because as unusual one-punch uh, fashion... We've dealt with these two giant threats yep. immediately at the beginning of the episode. There's no there's no combat there. You've got Garu, who 
was talked up at the beginning of being like the villain, but has been repeatedly bitched out, not just by Saitama, but by other Class S heroes. Yep. And you have, you know, little bits and pieces of what's been going on in the world that like are kind of strange when you really think about it. Like, like as far as like the depth of what you need, the, the speed of sound Sonic stuff, kind of strange mm-hmm. on its own, like kind of as part of this collective Puri Puri prisoner scene. Technically didn't really need that whole scene. No, no, it didn't need to be there. I, I enjoy as much as I laughed at it and enjoy, and I laughed my ass off. Yeah. It didn't really need to be done. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, are each of these characters fitting into the title somehow? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, I guess Garu's struggle is trying to learn to fight somebody who doesn't fight like a human. Okay. And he thinks he's going to get stronger from what he learned fighting Dwarf Man. Right. He's got new techniques that he can add to his repertoire. Right. You know, we saw the struggles that Shuri Ryu has as champion, mm-hmm. but not being the strongest at the top of his level. And obviously, King and Saitama's talk. I mean, yeah, I think the title ties into everything thematically really well. Yeah, even even um, Speed of Sound Sonic being very powerful and yeah, being headhunted and right, and even maybe him being spoiled a bit, and that that being spoiled screwed up what could have been a big power bump. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I... And maybe I'm reaching a little bit, you know? I just... Marshall Gorilla is all worried about being the strongest and having the highest threat level, and he gets knocked on his ass. Maybe? You know, I... Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think the title matches everything. I suppose even if you got into King having to use two fingers to challenge, you know. <laughs> like, really digging in there? Yeah. Because, I mean, well, that's kind of, like you said, that's kind of what happened for us. I mean, yeah, true, true. So, yeah, that's my only thought of, like, why all these scenes were all put together in this one episode, because it seems strange to me. Yeah. It, it does. It seems like they had, they really wanted that, that big poignant talk between King and Saitama. Yeah. And then they just kind of had fun around it. Right. Like, here's a monkey fight, here's a poop joke, <laughs> Yes. here's Zombie Man for a while, here's some irony. Yeah. Absolutely. I I guess. Here's Naked Prairie Prairie Prisoner just... Hug, hu- hugging some porcupines. And maybe that's even or like... Whatever. He lost his harem because he's out fighting monsters instead of yeah. at home guarding his honeys. God, it's so problematic. Alright, um... <laughs> Especially when you say it out loud. Yeah, that's the episode. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back <laughs> next time with episode 22 of One Punch Man, episode 10, season 2. Uh, which is Justice Under Siege. Justice Under Siege. All right. Um, but yeah, I, I guess until then, it's t- it's time to go? Yes. Yes, it is. All right. Well, this has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where two dudes in their 30s, confusedly talk about One Punch Man. Because <laughs> <laughs> this show be fucking crazy. And I came all at once, went crazy, and then left all at once. That's slight. Anywho, uh, my name is Andy. And I mean, I can't remember every opponent I punch. I'm Bill. <laughs> we will see you next time. 
I'm not going to get the picture of it. Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel and our new series, Tuning RPG, by searching for Tuning Japanese or Tuning RPG on youtube.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Seriously, be like these great patrons. Superfan Matt, Brian Nash, and Cameron Bear. Couldn't stop him. <sighs> I think I get it now. I finally understand what it means to be a true hero. And now he's going to throw his life away. What a waste. Saitama is destined to save so many more people. Oh, by the way, there's something I forgot to mention earlier. That thing about me lying to get into the tournament. Could we keep it a secret? Uh... <laughs> so was Goketsu tough to take down? Well, when they only take one punch, it's kind of hard to compare. There's something else I want to ask you. What's up? I don't know if I could overcome my fear, but I'd like to try. And if I did, do you think I can become a hero? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, if I became one, then I think maybe anybody can. It's natural to be afraid at the start. I mean, before I got too strong, I was scared too. A hero who's too strong? Not bad. Not bad. Oh, can I ask you another question, Saitama? Sure. Could I be your disciple? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs>